I'm grateful for this opportunity to be at TPC Harvey campus today. Shout out to all the HF campus people that are here today. Amen. Our family. Amen. So glad they're here worshiping with us today. Amen. Grateful to Pastor Anthony and Sister Michelle as they're away for this opportunity to be able to speak to God's people today. We are a blessed people. I said we are a blessed people. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. And don't let your circumstance try to dictate to you otherwise. You are blessed. If you're here, you're blessed. If you're alive and breathing, you're blessed. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thankful for my awesome, awesome wife. I mean, that says it right there. I, I can't say nothing else. She is amazing. My beautiful babies. Um, the little, littlest one, she's going to give us a run for our money. Well, what money we got. <laughs> she probably going to take that too. Lord have mercy. She already does. But Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn quickly to Gospel of John, chapter number 12. <coughs> the Gospel of John, chapter number 12. We'll begin at verse number 20. And we'll read a little bit down through verse number 33. So I'll try not to keep you standing too long. We'll just read this and then you may be seated. John, chapter 12, beginning at verse number 20. The Bible speaking says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came, then came they to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. How to preach all by itself. If you're in this place today, you're in the right place. If you've come today with a desire to see Jesus, welcome, because he's here. Amen. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The time has come. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat or a seed of wheat, somebody say a seed, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that, they, that it had thundered. Others said an angel 
has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to me. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. I'd like to preach today with the help of the Lord from this simple thought. When the seed dies, when the seed dies, would you set your Bibles down with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor you, God. We thank you for your presence. It is always already evident in this place amongst us. God, we pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears. God, that we might be receptive unto your word. That your word would find good ground in our heart today. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus, God, I pray that the anointing would break every yoke in this house today. For those that need healing, God, send your word and heal them today. Let your holy and perfect divine will be performed in this house today. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. He was a descendant of Shem, the eldest son of Noah. <clears throat> he was just an ordinary man who found himself leading an ordinary life. He lived in a well-populated and economically stable city of Iran, which served as a pathway or a central point of trade connecting the Mediterranean region with the prominent Mesopotamian cities such as Nineveh and Babylon and Ur. He was not anything special, nor was he particularly of his occupation, his status, of note. There was no mention of his occupation, his status, nor his standing within the city that he lived. A reason for which God called him specifically out of everyone else, Scripture does not reveal. In fact, Scripture does not even hint at or even begin to shine a light on any previously established communication between this man and God. And when he eventually hears from God, he is no doubt hearing the voice of the one true God for the very first time. He was a Gentile and outcast, living in a city of Gentiles who worship more likely than not a multiplicity of gods. The world in which he found himself living was one of spiritual chaos, confusion, and castaways amongst the people who found themselves groping in darkness searching for something that was tangible something that was real but like sand slipping through our fingers they could never completely grasp that which they were searching for using their misguided methods of idolatrous worship and yet it was in this spiritually toxic atmosphere And in this hopeless and godless environment that the one true living God of all heaven spoke. In an atmosphere where the conditions are incorrect and the environment was not especially conducive for a move of God. God in his love and in his mercy creates what the writer and prophet Ezra called a little space of grace. Despite the current conditions surrounding this man, God speaks. Hear me today very clearly. Do not ever for one moment doubt God's ability to speak despite the conditions around you. 
whether it be dilemma, darkness, or even death, God can. I said God can, and not only can he, but he will speak. His voice is not hindered, nor is it halted, simply because the environment around us becomes toxic and dark. In fact, he specializes in speaking to chaos, confusion, and calamity. He is not put off by the conditions of our life. Rather, he is in fact drawn to every pain, every pressure, and every problem that faces us. Can I let somebody know today that what you need more than anything today, more than God answering the current need that you have been praying and petitioning God for more than the healing, more than the provision. What you need to lay fast of is the word of our God. You say, well, preacher, does it God want to heal me? Yes. You say, well, preacher, does it God want to provide for me? Yes. But hear me right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Sicknesses come and go. Needs come and go. Go. But his word is the only thing that the writer said will stand forever. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our I said the word of our God shall stand forever. More than God answering your prayer right now. Friends, you need a word. You need a word that you can stand on. Ah, the reason why many of us struggle from day to day is because we're affected by the immediate now. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do this now. When God said, I gave you a word for that all the way back there. You need to find that word again. And whether your environment changes or not, you need to plant both feet firmly on the word of God and say, I'm not moving. He gave me a promise. He gave me a word. And if God said it, that settles it for me. That's all I need is a word from God. Seasons and circumstances change. Every day brings with it its very own share of trouble. Jesus said himself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But with each passing day there is a firm foundation. An unshakable truth that will never fail nor falter. Ah, it will never be defeated nor destroyed. So you ought to grab a hold of this word with both hands, with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And you better stand firmly on the word of God. Does it matter the spiritual conditions around you? He speaks. Can I speak to somebody today who finds himself in darkness? He's not afraid of the darkness around you. Can I speak to somebody right now who's had, who has chaos, confusion all throughout your life? He's not afraid of it. He's drawn to it. He desires to speak into your world. 
And it's in this toxic, spiritually adverse conditions that God finds a man by the name of Abram. Do you know Abram was the first Jew? Many people don't even think about it that, like that. He was a Gentile living in a pagan city amongst people who worship whatever God they can name. And God just seemingly goes, you. There was no reason for God necessarily to pick Abram out of everybody else. He just chose Abram. He said, you. And he speaks to Abram in these conditions in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. And he tells Abram to get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, in your seed shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. The Bible says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, somebody say your seed, I will give this land. And there Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now it's easy to read this text and miss out on just how out of the ordinary this is. For seemingly out of nowhere, this man's day is abruptly interrupted by a voice claiming to be God. That's how it happened. And this God not only interrupts his day, uh, not just to say, hey, how you doing? Just thought I'd stop by and say hi. But no, this proclaimed God tells him, get out of your country, away from your family, out of your father's house, and I will make you a great nation. That's like somebody, just some random phone number just calling you and say, hey, this is God. I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your family. Some of you are like, praise God, I've been looking to get away. Oh, those of you who are laughing and those of you who ain't laughing, y'all know y'all should be laughing because it's the truth. Sometimes you just need space. Praise God. I'm not going to dip in that anymore. But. <laughs> but just imagine this random number just calling you and saying, hey, leave everything that you've ever known, everything you built, everything you've established, everything you have cultivated and created with your own hands. I want you to leave all that, forsake all that, and follow me to a place I'm just, you just have to start walking, and I'm going to tell you how to get there. Now, how many, if we're honest, many of us would have just looked at the caller ID and said, God, ha, that's funny. I don't know that number. Half of us, they would have never picked up the phone. I'm like, you, 
You saying you're God? I mean, where I live at, everybody says anything's God. This is the reality in which Abram was living in. I mean, we laugh about it and it's comical, but this is the reality of his life. It had to take faith and trust. Abram believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. That's why he's called the father of the faithful. But many of us, God says, go, and we have an advantage that Abram didn't have. We know the voice of God. We know what his word says about him. And yet when God tells us to leave everything, we start scratching our heads and saying, well, God, I'm pretty attached to that thing. Don't, you can get quiet all you want to. I'm going to keep preaching it. God, I, I'm, I'm fairly, you know, caught up in where I'm at. I like my career. I like the job I have. I like the house where I'm at. Would you know, without a shadow of a doubt, God has spoken to you and said, hey, I'm calling you to somewhere else. And yet we remain planted firmly in a place that is inconducive to the seed coming to fruition. The seed would never come to pass if Abram remained where he was at. Hear me. The reason why God is telling you to leave those things is because, again, he knows the end from the beginning. Meaning he knows what it takes for you to get to the end from where you are currently. And if he's telling you to let go and to leave the place where you're at, it's because he knows that if you stay there, If you stay there, the seed will be nothing more than that. It's just a seed. But the moment you start, the moment you start moving and following after the voice of God, that's when you begin to walk in realms and areas of authority. It took Abram leaving that which he had built and grown accustomed to in order to put into action the plan which God had already promised. Abram, there's a seed in you that will one day become a blessing to all nations. But Abram, in order for that seed to come to pass, you can't can't remain in your father's house. In fact, it's even said that Abram's father, possibly commentaries would suggest that possibly Abram's father moved to Haran because of the temple of the goddess Sin that was there. So possibly his father worshipped these idols and yet his father had already died and his brother had already died. But how many know there can still be remnants of those things? So God was letting him to know you can't stay in this pagan environment if I'm going to use you to the degree that I desire to use you. And so Abram says, okay, God, I'm going to leave. In fact, that command that, that, that phrase, get out of your country, is literally, it's an emphatic command. God wasn't saying, hey, whenever you're ready, just, you know, I'll be waiting for you. Whenever you feel like getting up and moving, just let me know and I'll start laying everything out. No, 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 no. That phrase literally mean, meant go now. In fact, one translation says go already. <laughs> Stop lingering. Go already, Abram. What you waiting on? 
But how many times do many of us, we've got one foot in it, and we're just like, I, I'm going, but I'm, no, you need to go now. The seed of harvest that's inside of you will remain dormant and lifeless until you leave Haran. Until you leave the place of your comfort, the place of your complacency, the place of your safety and security. Until you get out of Haran. That seed remains nothing more than just a seed. We as the apostolic church have grown. I believe we're getting out of it now, but we've grown too accustomed to just praising that we got a seed. I got a promise. 25 campuses. Man, that's an awesome promise. But when the seed still lies in Haran, hmm, it's nothing more than a seed. And we'll worship and dance in Haran. We got a promise. God's looking like it's still just a seed. Nothing's happening until you start moving. But Abram made a mistake. While he did leave Haran, he did something that we too often find ourselves doing ourselves. See, God told Abram to leave everything. And whether it was out of a love for his brother, Abram said, hey, Lot, I want you to come with me. Lot was not meant to go with Abram. Hmm. My God, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Some of you, while your intentions may be good and your heart may be in the right place, if God said you need to let go of that thing and leave it, then you need to let go of it and leave it. Because the reality of the situation is that Lot caused more harm from Ab for Abram than he helped him. Abram had troubles and trials that he would have never faced had he just left Lot in Haran. Some of you are some of you are stumbling and fumbling over things that you were never meant to deal with simply because you refused to leave something in Haran that God told you you don't need it for this journey. The things that he faced, the things he had to endure because of his nephew Lot being with him. He had to deal with his nephew's wife dying. If she never would have came with Abram, she probably never would have died the way she died. You ever think about that? Because they would have never had the opportunity for Abram to say, hey, look out in the land. Pick, which where, pick where you want to reside. Lot probably never would have said, hey, I want to take the one that's aiming towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And they maybe never would have become entrapped in the snare of sin that was that city. Hear me, things that God never intended to die in your life will die if you refuse to leave in Haran what was meant to be left in Haran. I'll say that again because I don't think it hits you right. Things in your life will die that were never meant to die because you refuse to leave that in Haran which was meant to be left there. I know it doesn't feel good to leave your nephew. His dad's died. He's dealing with hurt and brokenness. I understand all that. But Abram, you've got to leave him there. It's not conducive for you to take him with you because where I'm taking you for some reason or another, anybody who's been mightily called of God, God always 
has to first separate them. I don't know why it is. I, mean, I could guess it why it is, but I'm not going to try and speak for God. But anybody who God has ever used, Abram, Moses, David, Elisha, Daniel, Gideon. He had to separate them. Esther, living in a place where your surroundings are familiar. I'm not supposed to live in a palace. I don't know these people. But God had to separate her. And God had to separate each and every one of these men and women of God who he desired, desired to mightily use. He called them to a place of loneliness. You want to be mightily, mightily used of God? The reality is you got to get used to being lonely. I'm not, in the, I'm not talking about in the sense that your church body and your church family is not going to be there for you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is isolation, where it's just you and God and nothing else. A place where if God tells you to do something, it's just, well, I don't have anything else, so I just got to do the will of God. The reason why a lot of us cannot fulfill the will of God for our lives is because there's too many other influences. Pastor Eli talked about it last week. We're distracted. But you got to get yourself to a place where it's just you and God. And nothing else. Not your will. Leave your emotions out of it. Leave your dreams and aspirations out of it. And just say, God, I'm here. So whatever you want me to do, just speak it and I'll do it. Why? Because there's nothing else to compete with your voice. There's nothing else that would hinder me. Because it's just you. It's just us, God. So God told him, you have to leave everything. Leave it all. I got to get you to a place, Abram, where it's just me and you. Nothing else. Nobody else. Just me and you. And everything that you are going to receive is going to be because I gave it to you, not because your hands built it or made it. Mm. Ah. Can I just dip my toe in that right quick? Some of us, you, you're still trying to build with your own hands. Last time I checked, it's his church to build. It's his harvest to give. The only thing he needs your hands for is to get that, 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 that garden tool in your hand, which is really just the word of God, and start sowing seed. I mean, if y'all been doing Culture 51 or what, are you... That's the only thing he needs your hands to do. Quit trying to fashion his kingdom for him. He doesn't need your help. He created all of this just with the words of his mouth. Only thing he needs you to do is put your hand to this plow and start teaching Bible studies, uh, forging relationships. That's the only thing God needs from us. But everything that God desired to give Abram, his name would later be changed to Abraham, would be of God's doing and God's making alone. All from him. All from him. And so it was that his son Isaac was eventually born. And we, 
We rejoice in that because we know the fulfillment of that promise from God to Abram. But that was not the fulfillment of that promise. That was not the culmination of that promise. Isaac was just the tip of the iceberg. He was the one who would, through from his father, would introduce us to the true seed. Is anybody getting the picture? Is it becoming clear to anybody? Because it was not Isaac in whom God was speaking of. Because God told Abraham, he said, the seed that I'm putting in you, it's one day going to be a blessing to all. What Isaac did, it blessed God's people. But it didn't necessarily become a blessing to all nations. But we read about this. A seed before that seed. In the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, and the Lord God said unto the serpent. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go. And dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You say, well, what does that have to do with the seed of Abraham? You see, you have to understand that the seed in which God was speaking about, the seed from Eve would eventually become Jesus the Christ. The one who would overcome the wiles of the devil, the influence of our adversary. He would one day defeat and destroy the work of the enemy for all. You, you want to know who that seed was? That by that seed all the nations of the world would be blessed? That seed was Jesus Christ. He was that seed and that's why we read in the book of Matthew chapter number one verse number one the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of that seed and even for Christ in order for him to ultimately fulfill his role in God ordained purpose Christ had to endure some things The seed had to die. The seed would never come to fulfillment. Why he was the embodiment of that seed. The true purpose and fulfillment of that seed would not be totally realized until he died. That's why we read this in Isaiah 53 and verse number 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces for him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened, it, opened not his mouth. 
He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And, he, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, get this now, and he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper at his hand. I've come to preach today that in order for that seed that is in each and every one of our lives to come to fruition and to fulfillment, something in your life must first die. But when that seed dies, it brings life. There is a a method, a process in gardening and plant cultivation called scarification. It is a process necessary for shells uh, due to their outer shells being so resistant and refusing to burst forth. And so what the gardener will do, what the cultivator will do, is they'll take a file or a knife and they'll start filing away. At that outer shell. Bringing to bear the contents inside. They'll take that knife and they'll start cutting away at that outer shell. They don't completely cut it in half. They don't completely destroy the seed. But some scarring is necessary. In order for that shell to be broken in its time. Hmm. Sometimes God has to scar us. He has to take that knife and he has to cut away some things in our lives. It said that when a seed, in order for a, a plant to grow, the seed must die. Somebody ever heard that? Now, that is true to an extent. Because it's not the seed in and of itself that dies. It's the outer shell, the flesh of the seed that dies. And when the flesh dies, the contents that are within inside of that seed begin to burst forth. I've come to preach to the church of the living God today that if you'll just be willing to allow some things in your life to die, that seed which God has planted inside of you will begin to come to fruition. And you'll begin to see buds just begin to spread out because you're allowed your flesh to die. Because when the seed dies, it brings life. When Christ died on that cross, the devil thought he had won. I got him. Do you see that flesh? It's dead. It's bleeding. It's broken. We won. Oh, but I just hear Jesus laughing in the tomb. Just, ah, just give me three days. 
Just give me three days. That's all I need. And when I come out, I will come out with all with the keys of death and life in my head. Friend, just hang on a little bit. Just endure the scars. Just endure the pain. Just endure the process. Because pretty soon, life is going to begin to burst forth. I thought that would excite you more than anything, but you don't see. (laughs) You know why it doesn't excite some of us? I started talking about a knife and cutting. He was like, I don't want nothing to do that. Can can we get to the result bypassing that a little bit? Not at all. If Christ had to do it, who do you think you are? And he literally died. God's just asking you to cut things out of your life that will eventually cause ruin it. But you want to hold on to it. God said, I literally gave my life and all I'm asking you to do is cut this thing off. And I'm doing it for you because you don't see down the road that this thing is going to cause potential problems. Not just in your life, but in your family's life. God, give me the knife. I cut it off myself. (laughs) Hear me. 25 campuses. Which in reality, it's not 25 campuses. Brother Ron, you good at math? (laughs) Did it the other night. I was like, dog, bro, he did that fast. I'm going to count on my fingers. Like, one, two, three. I need my times tables. I'm like, what is it? The one to catch it. If all 25 campuses are called to plant 25 campuses, what's 25 times 25? Oh, Lord, we ain't got no engineers, no kind of. <laughs> Bless God, but we smart, though. We can read. <laughs> we ain't got no mad people in the house. It's all right. We don't need no number. It's just a big number. It's over 500 churches. But when you say that, many of us are like, man, that's, that's a lot. And you get kind of scared and like, are we going to be able to do that? I mean, you won't voice it out loud to anybody else. But in your head, you're like, man, that's a lot, Lord. Are you, you sure? I mean, that's what you want, 25 times 25? That's what you want to do? But the reason why you think that way. Is because your will is still in control. Your emotions are still in control. You're still tied to what you can see with these two eyes. But when you get your place in a pl- you get yourself in a place of isolation with God, and you tune out everything else. And you close your eyes and you begin to pray and you begin to say, God, what's your will? And he begins to reveal to you his plan, his purpose, his desire, and his design. All of a sudden, your eyes begin to open in the spirit. And like Gehazi, you begin to see that they that are are for us are more than those that are against us. God, what you're doing is mighty. What you're doing is going to completely blow our minds. God, 
don't want to be in that place of isolation where it's just me and you. If that's what it takes for that seed that's inside of me to begin to burst forth. Stand to your feet all across this place. Just like it was true for Abram. Just like it was true for Jesus. It's true for us. There is a seed of harvest, Brother Luke. It's a seed of harvest. A seed of souls. That is in each and every one of us. I'm talking about an innumerable, innumerable, innumerable host of souls. You can't even, I know that person. They work with me on my job. I know that person. I that see him at my grocery store every But who is that? Who's that family? Who's that teenager? I've never seen them before. But God knows. He knows. And he's just waiting on you to leave Haran. And leave Lot and say, God, whatever you got to cause to die in my life, kill it. Cut it out. Cut it away. So that outer shell can begin to break. I ain't come to preach doom and gloom today. I've come to get your eyes on the harvest. Because when the seed dies, that's when harvest Oh, man, you'll shout about God being your provider and God being your healer, but you don't know how to shout about harvest? Let me tell you something. I ain't trying to hurt your feelings. God cares more about souls than he does anything else. If God, hear me right now, if God needs you to endure affliction, If God needs you to endure sickness in your body, if God needs you to endure loss and joblessness in order to position you in a place to just have a God encounter with somebody else that you never would have encountered had you still been doing the same old things, living the same old way, could it just be, just just take with me, can we just imagine together, God gives you, sends you, 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 you one day wake up and you have this ailment in your body. Don't know why. Say, ah, it'll go away. Time progresses. Things ain't changing. You're like, man, this is really starting to become a, a hindrance to me. You say, God, I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to pray. I believe for myself. I'm going to pray for myself that you're going to heal me. And I believe you're going to heal me. God doesn't heal you. Come to the church, get prayed for at the altar. Nothing. Like, Lord, your word says with your stripes we are healed. What's going on? And all of a sudden you go to your PCP, primary care physician. Those of you who don't know what that is, I just found out what it is long, not too long ago because I don't go to the doctor. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Unless you need me to, Lord. You know you got to add that in, otherwise you're going to get shocked. <laughs> but all of a sudden, now you go to your PCP. And you say, hey, I need you to go to a specialist. This doesn't look good. And you're just like, man, what's, that's not good news. 
What's going on? And all the while, God is like, just, just hold on. Just endure. You go to meet with that specialist. Come to find out that specialist has been hearing the voice of God in their life. I don't know who. I don't know who to go to. I don't even know where to begin to look. And all of a sudden, there you are with the ailment in your body, speaking to the one person who didn't know where to go. They, but they were just hearing his voice. There's only one God. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? And all of a sudden, there you are sitting in that doctor's chair or on that bench, that uncomfortable thing. I don't know why they do that. You're already in pain. Can't you get some blankets and comforters or something? It's just uncomfortable. But there you are in your discomfort. And all of a sudden, you just randomly say, yeah, I got prayed for, but nothing happened. Wait, prayed for? What, 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 do, you, what do you believe? The shell's being broken. It's starting to bloom a little bit. Oh, come on, somebody. You don't think God cares enough about that individual? To entrust somebody that he knows is not going to lose faith? And just hold on and say, God, if you brought me to it, you're going to bring me through it. I don't know when. I don't know how. But it's going to happen. And if I have to endure this so that somebody else I never would have met before can come to the knowledge and the hope that is Jesus Christ. Then so be it, Lord. Get that file out and start filing away. I'm telling you, that's how you have to think. Otherwise, you will get discouraged quickly. God, again? Things are going wrong again? God's like, hey, remember when I saved you? Yes, it was because I loved you, but it was also because I love other people too. And so in God's nice way of saying it, he says, it's not all about you. Sorry. I love you. But there are millions, billions of other people out there who need to hear this glorious gospel. And hear me today, church of the living God, unless that outer shell of that seed is broken, the harvest that God has promised will never come to pass. But when that seed dies, Get ready. I don't know where y'all going to fit the chairs at. I don't know which wall you're going to start at and busting out. Don't know. Don't know how you're going to buy the property or the land to do it. Have no clue. But I know who does have a clue. I know I'm, look, 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 look. I'm, I'm trying to incite faith in you today. Because some of us has been, have been discouraged by the scarring and the cutting. But I'm here today to tell you there's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. And that purpose is harvest. I said that purpose is harvest. And if you'll just hold on. And if you'll just be willing to endure. You'll start having opportunity to speak to people. 
And I'm not prophesying. That's just the word of God. That's how it's meant to happen. You'll start having chance encounters with people of influence. People with money. And not for you. Don't get it twisted. The money ain't for you. The money's for the kingdom, but God trusts you enough to put you in contact with that person. I'm like, man, what church you go to? I just want to write y'all a check for a million dollars. Oh, you can't, you can't tell me that it's not true because it's happened before. Not for us yet, but HF is coming. Oh, y'all don't even know the building we in now. It's ours. It's ours. It might be dirty. <laughs> but it's the building that he chose. And that's the building we're, from which everything's just going to flow. Don't be afraid to let the seed die. You hear me? I don't even know how to close this out because I don't want you coming up here saying, Lord, just help me. It's cutting. It's hurting. In fact, I feel like we just need to rejoice. It hurts, yes, but it's going to be worth it. It's painful right now. I went to God that somebody would step out of that aisle and say, God, though he slain me, yet will I trust him because I know when I come out, I'm coming out as gold and I'm going to come out with more than I...